You haven't lived until you've heard the show Americans are talking about. The show that launches its listeners to the height of humanity. The audio hour that travels the landscape of adventure. The sound that comforts more than the clip of your first bolt. It's the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show. Outdoor Adventure Summits the Airwaves. This is the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show. I'm your host, our Brandon Long. I'll be late with you for the next about 40 minutes. By my side in the Gear 3 Lounge is the best co-host in all the land, Todd the Top. Todders, how you doing, man? Uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> is this hot? Is this start? thing on? Is this thing on? Yeah, you're mm-hmm. hot. Let's see. Say a little something something into that and we'll make sure. Something something. Yeah, something something. Yeah, you're hot. Good you're morning, hot. sir. You're hot right now. Uh, we are, again, sitting in the, uh, hanging out in the Gear 30 Lounge today. So uh, on this week's show, we have uh, a special guest. Well, he's special, and we just found out he can rap. <laughs> Derek DeBruin, also. What do you mean we just a, found out? <laughs> this is the reason he's on the show. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's, that's right. why I'm here today, man. Give you a quick trip report uh, from Yellowstone. On the docket, on the radar, in the news, including New Dark Sky, Glacier Death, Gwyneth Gate. Update returns, Gwyneth Gate. Uh, Todd, do you mind turning up my headphones? I think I'm in two. I think I'm in two. I'm not sure. Um, OR Tornado, Crowded Parks, Deadfall, Everest Rules, Wolf Attack, Metal Cougar, and Raining Plastic. Give you something worth watching. And uh, quote of the week, Outdoor Jukebox. And we'll chat with Derek here uh, coming right up. So all this and more on Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show episode 337, if you can believe that, roadless. So let's charge. Summits with the agility of a mountain goat, flashes routes faster than UPS, is more intimate in the mountains than Jake Gyllenhaal. He's Todd to the top. Todd, you're in full like uh, welcoming the kids back to school mode, or what's the deal here? What are you doing at your day job? I don't know. Like I'm seeing kids like right over there. Yeah, so they're ready for college. Really not ready to start. I'll submit into the arts program tomorrow if you'll let me. Yeah, we're not ready for them yet. <laughs> different, uh-uh. different age kids. Different yeah. age, different age kids. Okay, they might do all right. That would be kind of fun little experiment to see how they would do in a college level class. Like, just, just put them right. Put them in. into class. Put them into class. Let's see. Like yeah. nothing's wrong. It would be kind of funny to see though. Actually, because <laughs> I think technically the college students are adults or something. They oh, right, right. Technically. Well, yeah, we're we're talking about a uh, a in nine and theory. four or nine and five in September. So oh, okay, well that's so yeah stepping up. Um, yeah, I don't. I think the hardest part would be the snacking in between. Like like there's fewer juice boxes. Emerson can't go an hour without eating something. So so yeah. that's pretty much college students. Though. Yeah, I was saying, have you been to college lately, man? Like I I eat all the time. They eat all the time. Like if you want to get them to do things, just free food. There's probably a lot of similarities, actually. That's funny. Except for Isla would probably take the classes a little more seriously. Very no, she'd be mad that she wasn't pulling straight A's. You should, is what she do. I, yeah. I think y'all should devote an entire episode discussing the similarities between like nine year olds and college students. I think it's actually a really good observation. We'll get on that. Yeah, I, I would listen to that. A couple hours of it. Derek DeBruin speaking up here. Oh, hey, uh, everybody. Also a professor. Can you call yourself prof or just a teacher? I'm, I'm not a professor. Not I'm a an prof. instructor. I don't, I don't have a PhD, homie. <clears throat> Next year. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's long term. We have instructor De Bruin here, uh, formerly of Bearhouse Mountain Guiding. I, Todd doesn't have the scoop, so why don't you give Todd the scoop? Oh, I said form. I said we're having Derek De Bruin on next week, and formerly of Bearhouse Mountain Guiding, he says you're gonna have to talk to me off air. So what's going on? Yeah, got it. But yeah. this is on on air. This, this is on oh air. yeah yeah we're on air yeah right now, right. So. That's not off, just so we're clear on the difference. It's been a week and I didn't talk to him off air. Right. So now uh, it's got it, yeah. Got it. Todd, I regret to inform you that that, uh, that Bearhouse Mountain Guiding had to close, um, largely due to permitting concerns in the Wasatch. Um, the principal concern being that like he just can't get the permits. <laughs> which, <laughs> which I'm is laughing, important. which is uh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still I'm still guiding personally. Uh, we just don't have enough places to go to sufficiently provide like an operation for all of our guides and the clients. It's kind of a bummer. Did you? That's a huge bummer. Yeah, no shit. I really oh, am sorry about that. No, shit is fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you do a lot of research before you do anything. Like you make sure your ducks are in a row. Did you foresee having permit issues before you opened Bearhouse Mountain? Because we talked about permit issues like years. We did. Ago. I remember yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. Um, or that it would be a big enough issue to. We definitely thought there would be some concerns. We were pretty proactive in trying to manage them. Um, you know, I mean, because like it's the the biggest permit issue is largely on the federal lands, uh, like the mm-hmm. forest the forest district around here, uh, or the forest districts around here, uh, and. You know, I mean, so there's other places we could go work, right? There's state land, municipal land, like private land. There's there's ways to sort of string some stuff together, but um, y- you still kind of need the the forest land for certain things. Yeah. Um, Forests. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. There's the, the forest land does. It, it's well, it's interesting because national forests don't always have too much forest in them. This is always true. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. That aside. Uh. So when we initially started the business, um we were proceeding on temporary permits um, mm-hmm. with the sort of understanding that like there's there's the potential for those to become less temporary and more like actual things. You were optimistic. Yeah, we were, op- we had, and we had reason to be optimistic too, especially when the, uh, like the Forest Service Chief put out like a new memo that was like, hey, here's this new directive. Uh, you know, we're gonna say yes to recreation instead of no, and like just basically just reverse the policy. Um, so like, oh, this seems like a reasonable potential here. Uh, and uh, but the reality is that any individual district and then uh, any forest as well all have sort of a pretty large amount of autonomy. Um, and so your the permit situation will vary, can vary dramatically from place to place. Um, so our local forest service here, is is that who <coughs> denied permits? The Wasatch? That's correct. Okay. Um, and part of the justification for that is that there's a huge number of users in the Wasatch. Um, like millions of user days happen. Uh, this is like the busiest national forest in the country. Um, um, you know, like like as far as the whole forest is concerned, like per- outside of Colorado. And- oh yeah, no, like as far as like a single forest goes, like yeah, like I mean between the Salt Lake District and like down in Pleasant Grove and Provo, like that district, like there's, there's just a lot of people in the Salt Lake Metro, and it's very accessible, right? Mm. Um, you know, like for example, if you're like in the Front Range in Denver and you want to go skiing, you still got to drive a couple hours, you know. But you want to do that here in like in the in the Wasatch, like you're right there, you know. Sure. I mean, you live in Ogden. How far are you from the? Or like, you know, oh, that's you, why we live in Ogden. Right. Exactly. If you yeah. live in Ogden, you're like you're what five minutes from the trailhead, you know. Um, so that that's awesome. And the flip side of that, there's a lot of use and impact. And so, um, the basically the the the, the current policy is that um, commercial use is going to be it's very limited um, to it, it sort of like geopolitically limited, basically like things that have a lot of influence like ski resorts right you'll get yeah. a, you'll get a permit there because there's also like a big a big economic impact attached to that which i fully understand like 
they're going to have like snow basins going to have a much bigger economic impact than say the you know few hundred days a year we might do at Bear House Mountain guiding on this particular district. You know what I'm saying? Um, so oh, yeah, the, but but the, Ogden got, gets cheated because a lot of the traffic is in Salt Lake, right? Exactly. Cottonwoods, um, and then well, and in Ogden too, like a lot of that use is concentrated, right? Like Pine View is forest land, mm. um, and that's going to be a big concentration of use, as opposed to say like the schoolroom crag in Ogden, right? Like people climb there. So but Pine View can be packed, yet you can go guide somewhere and not see anybody. Correct. Yeah, yeah, um, and so the. And to me, the thing that I, I find frustrating, frustrating. Yeah. The thing I find most frustrating is really that this, this notion that if, if, if they, if someone, if, if a member of the public goes with a guide that they're somehow, that's someone detracting from the experience of other members of the public. Um, because if you, well, guides are assholes. That's why. Well, that's true. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, you raise a really no, good point. I forget. But that, why is that a perception? I always forget that. I just hang out with guides so much that I, I know, <laughs> but is, is that a real thing or is that just like, well, I mean, it's certainly possible, but I, I guess like, if, I think guys are bad. A personally, I think, but, I think if guys are doing, doing it right, yeah. right, like, like, uh, then we should be friendly and exactly. Like yeah. we should be friendly. Like we should be teaching people to leave no trace practices, right? right? Like we should be stewards of the land we work on because if we want to have land to work on, we got to take care of it. Um, That's a good argument. And if I'm the, the forest service, I would think I need more guides. Sure. Less right. randos. Um, yeah. But then the problem is you also run into vetting, right? Like, how do you decide, like, is this, is this organization like licensing? Actually, is this actually doing a good job? Like, are mm-hmm. they going to, are they someone we actually want to partner with? Are they going to like be a net positive? Right. Cause yeah. in theory, right. Like, yeah. Okay. We show up at the crag. We, you know, we teach all of our clients leave no trace skills. Right. So then when they leave and like go out the next time without us, they know how to like take care of the landscape. Right. I don't know, and, man. I'd much rather have someone learn, uh, sports in which you can die right, from well, a professional. And that was the other thing is like safe practices. Right. Right. Cause ultimately, like if I show up at the crag with my, with my clients, um, like, yep, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna go climbing on whatever it is they want to do. Like, we're just like, that's the whole deal. Like they want to go climb. We're going to help them do that on their public land. Right. But anyone else we happen to see there, it's not like, it's not like I'm just turning a blind eye, right? Like if I see someone in immediate danger, I'm going to take that opportunity to educate them and try to make them safer. Well, and not, I mean, even sports that seem simple, like stand up paddleboarding. If we ran a paddleboard to someone who's never been, a, they have no idea what they're doing. We, we can only say so much as far as liability goes. We yeah. ha- we can give them the PFD and we say, you should probably wear this. We give them a leash. We give them, we don't teach them how to do any of it. They can go up there and get themselves in trouble paddleboarding. Sure. Yeah. It's because there's, you know, where do you learn? In other words, so in Ogden, the Weber Outdoor Program has some licenses, right? Yeah. The Weber, um, so Weber State in general has permits. Yeah. Permits. So, so that, that, cause that covers, that covers the Weber Outdoor Program and also okay. the academic, uh, program as well so which you're a part of yeah exactly so you Mm -hmm. can go take trips without your program you can take classes with the academic program um and and so weber state does have that permit you know um but weber state's also like a much bigger much bigger operation has a much larger impact than bear house mountain guiding you can go to the front climbing gym and learn indoors correct at their facility but they can't take you outside but they cannot take so you were doing gym to crag well, yeah. So, like, our, we had a partnership with the front, and uh-huh. we would facilitate the outdoor portion of the their Jim Craig series. You can't do that anymore. Correct. We're not doing that anymore. Like, I could do that. That sucks. I could do that anymore personally. Like, like I work through the personally. Currently, okay. we're going through the Certified Guides Cooperative. Okay. Um, and so they happen to have a permit at the moment. Okay. Which so might continue, maybe not. Right. So, like, so for some of those things, like, but I also can't. One of the reasons we started the business is that like, there's more work than I can just do on my own. Right. 
Like I'm you only, need help. You need yeah, more guides. I'm, I'm only one person. If we have two clinics scheduled for the same day, I can't teach them both because you know the laws of physics. And you know what else is great about a, a small-ish uh, guide service here in Ogden? You were kicking out guides. Like you were giving some. Sure. They were teaching like part time, and there's Derek, more. You're a, j- a job creator. Job creator. Yeah. Yeah. That. That's Which is true. kind of a a holy title. <laughs> well. No, it was kind of for a people who like, know what they know how to do. Like by the yeah. by, the time we sort of figured out that, like, okay, we're the, like the end is imminent, like the permit situation is not tenable, whatever. Like, we're like, okay, y'all, like, here's like we got we got four or five months notice. We're happy to help give you references, get you other positions, like you know, or, or, like try and get you the work you want. But it's like it's yeah, it's a bummer, dude, to be like, well, I guess our dozen guides or whatever, just like <laughs> just kick you to the curb. Is there an overabundance of guide services in Utah? Um, an overabundance. I mean, is this a especially not, a well, not in Ogden? No, yeah, well, not in Ogden. Yeah, in, in yeah. Ogden, no. Well, in the Salt Lake area, um, it's not like there's a huge pile of folks doing what we were doing. You know, uh, I mean, the, in Salt Lake, you basically got Utah Mountain Adventures, um, and they have a, a, a long-standing permit that because they used to be XM Utah um, back in the day, so they've had that permit for decades, mm-hmm. and that's why they still have that permit. But everyone else is basically fighting for a small number of lottery days. This is a big head scratcher for me. Probably is for you too. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I I can I can certainly see the justifications, um, especially when you look at like the the larger amount of use. I think the difference in the perception of po- or the sort of like the policy line in the, in the central Wasatch as opposed to say some other forest districts in the country, is the notion that commercial use somehow detracts from individual private use and that it doesn't actually is not a net benefit to the land. Yeah. Um, you know, like if you're in say the Cascades up in Washington. The relationship between the guide, the guide services, and the, and the forest is maybe uh, it's just better established. And there's this understanding that the public can go out on their own. The public can also go with a guide. Both ways are fine ways to go recreate and see your public lands. Um, but when you go out with a guide, that that guide on the mountain is also going to be teaching people leave no trace skills. They're going to be teaching them best practices, safe, you know, like ways to stay safe. Um, and and that could actually be a net positive for the forest as well because you know rangers can't be everywhere all the time. Um, and, and they, like, they just can't do all that education, you know? Um, and so when you hire a guide, you have that opportunity to learn all those things and you can have more of a partnership with the guide service as opposed to this notion that, that we're trying to be extractive somehow. Um, like when we go onto the land, our goal is to, to take nothing from it. That's like the whole point. Um, we're not trying to extract, like, I mean, it's not like we're like using the land to try and like physically extract revenue from it, right? It's like someone who wants to learn a skill and they want to do that on their public lands and we fully like we're fully willing to, to to pay our permit fees and like and and, per, and share the revenue like we're supposed to because I recognize that my public land is your public land it's your public land right so if you're paying taxes just the same as I am and then I'm making money off of that I should pay some of that back right because to make up for the fact that we all pay taxes on it we shouldn't just be giving that like those revenues to just some like one individual or a small group of people right so like I'm happy to pay those fees like that's totally makes sense to me but if an individual person wants to go learn how to climb or ski or something, they should be allowed to do that on their public lands, right? The answer is yes. Um, and so then the question is like, as the forest administrator, you have to balance uh, the the amount of use, right, for recreation relative to the, the, the other missions of conservation and preservation. And so, you know, like that, I don't, I don't envy our forest administrators in any way because recreation use is exploding and trying to find that balance between access to the land which makes people appreciate it and want to preserve it and actually preserving it which sort of necessitates not having people on it right is like a really hard balance to strike um and so which is where good guide services come in 
Sure. Uh, like we could, we could certainly help with that effort. And, and by the same token, like, I guess uh. what I'm trying to say is like, I, while I'm, I'm disappointed, I can also appreciate the position that the forest administration is in, especially, sure. especially around here, especially around here. Yeah. Um, and so like, I'm not, I'm not embittered about it in any way, like disappointed for sure. But by the same token, like, whew, I do not envy that job. <laughs> So how then you're guiding personally, mm-hmm. how do you find clients or do they just find you? They just get like word of mouth. They're like, Hey, yeah, I mean, it's, take you you know, it's word of mouth referrals or like yeah. some of the same folks we had from bear house or stuff like that. And then, and, and depending too, like if I can give a referral to like some of our guides who maybe work someplace else now, like I'm happy to move that past on my business too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, fi- find me on Facebook and Instagram and otherwise word of mouth and, and, and I have, and then, you but know, how do you pull permits? Was that, how do you pull so, permits? So I'm working through the certified guides cooperative, which currently has a permit. Okay. So in order that you to be, couldn't put the whole group n- under it. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's a whole, in, in order to be part of the certified guides cooperative, you have to be a member owner, um, which means that you have to be a certified guide in, in through the AMJ. And then you also have to, uh, you know, buy in at a thousand dollars and then pay a number of annual fees and then you have to pay per day and stuff. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good structure for individual member owners. Um, but it does not really work well for like in a, Guide service uh, for a guide service exactly because mm-hmm. like, you know our guides uh, all have varying levels of AMGA training and certification, uh, but not everyone is terminally certified in the discipline they're working in. If that makes sense, yeah, like they might sure. be, like they're moving that direction, but like you know I'm terminally certified, but that doesn't mean that all you know the six other folks we have working on the rock are also terminally certified. You know, terminally sounds bad. Um, well, just mean, like I mean like well like your your like your terminal degree is like a PhD, right? You can't. There's no more yeah. you can do from oh, okay. terminally so, certified. So terminal Got certification it. is rock guide as opposed to say rock instructor or single pitch instructor. Got it. Because those those are also certifications, and you know that's fine. But like they're yeah. not, but they're not the the highest one you could possibly attain. Got and it. more or less, the model for the certified guides cooperative is that you have a terminal certification. Academic speak here. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Highest you can go. Heard you spent some time in Yosemite this spring. No, nah, it's fake news. <laughs> Your Instagram would say otherwise. <laughs> oh, do I have one of those? I oh, should, oh. I, should, I should talk to my social media guy. Yeah, yeah. Fire that person. They're pretty good, though. <laughs> Whoever that is. Nice little storyline there. Oh, uh, thanks. How thanks. long was that a thing? As far as how far in advance did you know you were going to go and train oh. for? And oh, geez. Um, let's see. So we ended up going in late May, early June, or something. And I think we started kicking that around like a year prior or so. I'm, I don't know exactly. Um, we, I was talking to my friend, Sam England, uh, who I met back in Alabama like a decade ago, probably. And he's, uh, just one heck of a, a wall climber. He's done first ascents on like Baffin Island and stuff like that. Um, number, number of routes on El Cap. And, uh, anyway, so we'd started planning like, Hey, we should go to Yosemite sometime. That would be rad. And I've actually never never been to Yosemite prior to this trip. I'd never been, um, and because well, I learned to climb on the East Coast. So when you know, when you're making the trip out west to go climb things, like there's just a lot of stuff between the East Coast and California. So I'd get distracted by say the Tetons or the Front Range or Indian Creek or whatever, and I just never quite got out there. And then I hadn't got out there for long enough. I was like, well, I've been climbing like a decade or whatever. Like if I'm going to go to Yosemite, I want to like crush the classics. I want to like go do Astroman or the Rostrum or something, you know. And so then for your first trip to Yosemite, it's like, well, what's like the most classic route on the planet? You know, <laughs> like it's obviously the nose. Um, you just got to climb El Cap via the nose, right? Like that's like the way to do the thing. So 
um, when I was talking to Stan, I was like, hey man, what do you think about doing the nose? He's like, oh yeah, we could totally, no problem, you know? Um, <laughs> he's confident, I like that. Well, he at this point, he's already he'd already done the nose and he plans to do it again. I mean, yeah. he's, and I, like I said, like he's done first ascents on Baffin Island, like he can do the nose. Yeah. You know, like he's he, he's good with big walls, you know? Um, we've been down to Clemens Island a couple times, like it's it's all good. Is that, um, and that's not necessarily your strength or where where do you put yourself? Oh yeah, so like um, big roots, like big climbs, like long climbs, certainly yeah. a, a strength. But um, I'm not. I'm like Sam is a far better aid climber than I am. Mm. And to go big wall climbing, there's necessarily um, almost always like some aid in there, unless you're like climbing, you know, five thirteen, five fourteen kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and so having that uh, that aid climbing skill set's really valuable. Uh, and that, that's like certainly a thing I can do, but it's not like what I'm great at. Um, and Sam is really good at that as well. Like he's very efficient, can move the rope up quickly. Like he knows how to aid climb well. Um, and so he's like, yeah, we can totally make that happen. And I was like, well, cool. If we're going to do the nose, we should probably just do it in a day. Right. Um, and then he's like, hang on. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Time out. Wait, what? Well, I was like, well, cause like, okay. So, you know, to some extent, like if we're, if we're going to go do the nose and like haul and like do it in three, four or five days, like folks usually do. Uh, it was kind of like, well, okay, this is a foregone conclusion then, right? It, to some extent, right? It was like it's it's more like a matter of like just grinding, right? Like like you're gonna run the ultra as long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other. So you needed a challenge, it, more or less. Okay. Like and and so like it, to to do all cap in like multiple days is like, well, I, we all, we both know how to camp and how to live on ledges, like that's fine. And hauling bags is physical work, but you can you can get good at that just by like doing lots of deadlifts and like just hitting the weight hitting weights for you know twice a week for a couple you know a few months. Yeah. Um, and the rest of it's like, well, can you climb five ten? Like, yep, check. We can climb five ten. Can you climb A one or you know C one or C two? Like you know like sort of moderate aid climbing. Like, yep, for sure. Um, and so between us, we're like well, we could we're like okay, we could almost as long as we got enough a big enough weather window, we can like certainly pull that off. Sure. So I was like, well, if we do in a day. You don't have to haul, which is kind of appealing. And by day, it's like 24 hours. Right, right. You got yeah. 24 hours, you know, like bottom to top. And so, like, you know, not having to haul a haul bag is pretty great. Sure. Um, and then the other part is, like, it, you know, there's this a bit of a time crunch. You got to, like, be efficient enough to move through all the terrain. Um, and, and it, yeah, it's definitely more challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, like, there's, you're not, you're not sleeping in that 24 hours. You know, you're, like, moving. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that sort of just seemed like. And you're, you're, you're a, tra- you're, you're a good trainer. Like, you, lay things out did you train for this specific climb because you were training for some other things earlier but oh yeah sure so um so when i was putting so the, the plan was to climb in mid-may and we ultimately ended up having to kick it back like three weeks because of rain mm-hmm. um but so the preceding preceding fall i went to you went to went to canada to try and climb the thing and the avalanches and the snow <laughs> the and thing like, yeah now that we just we <laughs> we got our asses kicked um we we we, we looked at mount robson and the thing won this time yeah the thing won we, we did some mixed climbing and ate pizza basically that was canada um so came back and i was like well so i ran that ultra because i was like well i, I got to do something with all these mitochondria i made yeah. um and so then you I, don't want to carry extra mitochondria around. No, no, they're so heavy, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so we took, I, I probably took like four or six weeks off just to like chill and like decompress from all that. And then, uh, then went to Notch Peak out in the West Desert over the winter. So I was training for that, um, because I've got a long-term project happening there. Um, and so then when I got back from Notch Peak is like mid January, which is four months, like pretty, pretty steady training cycle. So, um, I hit the, uh, it was just hitting the hitting the bouldering gym every morning to build strength, you know, or like like two or three days yeah. a week to build strength, um, and then you know lifting weights and you know just uh, sort of like doing long cardio, like so training for like big alpine objectives. It's usually hiking up and down hills a lot with heavy packs, um, and for doing three thousand feet of vertical climbing, it's like doing 
laps on the auto belay and doing lots of like, you know, going up to the jagged edge and like doing two or three laps soloing 2000 feet at a time. And then like, or doing really long trail runs, kind of building like that same, that same sort of like work capacity all day endurance. Yeah. Um, but without carrying as heavy of a load basically. And then I actually did for this. For is, is a good Alpine training. Does that make good? Can I get abs if I'm, if I train hard Alpine? Yes. Sweet. Um, you, you might what? just, it might just take a longer time for results <laughs> on those abs than, yeah. than maybe other, yeah, other no, modalities. I feel you, I feel you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, then other modalities. Okay. So there are faster ways, but this might be the funnest. Yeah. If you, man, if you like carrying 40 pounds of water up a hill and then like walking <laughs> it back down the hill and yeah. then doing that until like you sort of like fully engage with your Sisyphean like existential crisis, like mm-hmm. then yes, Alpine training is for you. I don't know, Todd. I'm in. What do you think? <laughs> um, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> um, but so the one, the one thing that was different in this training cycle is I spent a lot of time aid climbing, um, right? Because like, if you're gonna training is not just like a workout, right? It's it's a planned series of workouts, but it's also just not the physical physical aspect, right? It's like you got to learn the beta for the route. Like I spent a lot of time just like looking at topos and photos and videos, right? Um, and then you also have to actually have the technical skills. So I was like, well, aid climbing is my weakness here. So I spent a lot of time just like top rope soloing or rope soloing, whatever, at, at like the local crags, mm-hmm. probably twice, so like two, maybe three times a week, just going out aid climbing, just getting uh-huh. good at aid climbing. Um, and so that necessarily, like the time I spent doing that detracts from my ability to train physically, but ultimately it's going to make me better and quicker because it's the technical skill set that I'm lacking that I need to shore up on. So what was your time? Oh, we did in 23 and a half hours. Wow. <laughs> it is not, wow. it's not an amazing time. Um, well, yeah, but you did right under 24. No, no, well, right yeah, under well, 24. We were both like, there's no way we're doing this again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, well, partly because I mean, you know, I live like 14 hours drive from Yosemite. Right. So, if I was if I was in California somewhere and I could get there in a few hours, like oh maybe I would go trying to whittle that down and like or I bet Vegas. we could do it sub twelve if we like really got things dialed, you know? Yeah, like, that would be no problem. But I um, you know, like if I got to drive fourteen hours, if I'm going to go back to the valley, well like I'm going to do something else. I'm going to go climb another classic, mate, awesome route on this amazing granite, you know? Well, I love the way you documented it. For those who don't know, uh, go follow Derek De Bruin. What's your Insta handle? Uh, Derek M De Bruin. <laughs> is d-e-r-e-k yep m-d-e-b-r-u-i-n and you would post a photo with a with a story of kind of what's going on in order yeah right right just sort of told it chronologically after Mm -hmm. the fact yeah and the the it could it could be like a short book i mean is it going into your memoir yeah 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 (laughs) it is like a memoir of this trip i mean for me it was just like really fun to write you know um like I, i just enjoy writing and um, you know, Instagram has a character limit at like 24 or 2,500 characters or something. So yeah, you end up like with about 300 words to work with. And so it's like, well, how can I tell a compelling chunk of this story that still fits in sort of, log- sort of like chronologically with the rest of it and like makes it sort of like a, a cool tale um, and do that in this many words and then pair that with an image that's uh, you know, sort of relevant and evocative, you know? If you're thinking about climbing the nose, it'd be good. There's beta in there. You can go in and see what it's like. For, oh yeah, 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 for sure. There's yeah. some, there's some beta. Um, yeah, and so, I, I don't know. I don't and it's know. beautiful it's and like, fun to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just as, and so I, I guess to me, like, if, if folks find that like a, a sort of a viable thing, like a cool, cool stuff to read and see, like I'm, I'm all about it. And then for me, it's like just kind of fun to like just put that little project together. It helps me process the whole thing and wrap mm-hmm. my head around it and creates a um, diary. Yeah, because like journal. I'm, when you know when I you know sort of finish these big things like. Um, you know, frankly, it's really easy to, to have like a bit of a feeling of like emptiness. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I've just been working really hard on this goal for a long time. And then we did the thing and 
you're like elated for a little while and then you're mm-hmm. like, okay, like now what? Um, <laughs> and so that, that helped, you know, peaks like, and valleys. Right. And when there's so, there's always like a now what, like sort of on the horizon, you know, I'm mm-hmm. um, like, like by the time I'm like getting close to ready to go do and try the goal, you know, like go work like, like, okay, cool. I'm going to leave for your assembly in a week. I've already got ideas about what I want to do when I come back, you know? Um, but, but it's still like part of that process. Um, cause it, cause if I'm doing it right, like that, that process is just, uh, like the goal is simply a byproduct of a successful process, if that makes sense. So what's your next goal? Um, so I spent like the last three years just trying to do long, big things like, you know, Mount Robson up in Canada. I've got this long project at Notch Peak, like doing El Cap, like the Grand Traverse, like, uh, and uh, frankly, I was kind of like, cool, it's summertime. I want to hang out with my wife and kid. I'm a little burned <laughs> out. Yeah. So my current goal is sport climbing. Oh, really? Yeah. I've, yeah. Uh, I've been going to Echo Canyon uh, recently, yeah. which is, you know, just down the road. And I mean, there's no approach. Um, it's super like stupid hot there right now, but um, I'm trying to, trying to break through in some grades I've never done before. And so right now I'm just going and basically putting the time on the roots to like learn the beta, get all the, all the sequences dialed. And then, you know, in September, October, when, when the temps finally cool off and it's like time to send, hopefully I'll like have all this, I'll sort of built up all the strength required for the roots. And then I'll, I'll have spent, you know, a couple of months figuring out the beta and like having all the sequences sorted so that I can just go put red point burns in and hopefully, hopefully send some I stuff. That's hard for me. Organized he is like in his head. Like it's crazy. It blows it's my creepy. mind. It's like looking in the mirror and it? it's, <laughs> There couldn't be a more uh, those circus mirrors where it just distorts everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's like looking at a circus mirror. So, were you finished oh in twenty three and a half hours? Is that like, did you? Is that a sign of just like incredible control, finishing it under the twenty four, or is that like a mad dash at the end? Uh, it's really like the climb was really damn wet. Yeah. Um. So it it had rained for like three weeks or something. So when we got there, um, we. The forecast was for like, I arrived on Friday afternoon or Friday evening. We start, we racked up all our stuff. We're like, okay, we're going to do a couple of training laps, do the first few pitches, repel off, like just sort of get stuff dialed at the bottom so that we can sort of maximize our chances of sending quickly. And those first four days, it rained every afternoon. So we got up early, sent in the morning, repelled down, hit the valley floor, watched the rain come in, and then hopefully it dries out. It's like it's sunny and, windy, sunny and windy enough that evening after the rain and then, you know, do it again the next day, right? So by the time we actually got to go send the thing, you had rain consecutively for like, I don't know, three and a half weeks, like, like every day at some capacity, you know, some more than others. So the upper thousand feet of the route is, was just really wet. So when we first started the climb, um, actually I was, I was really psyched cause we'd done some of this, like some of these pitches before. So I had some of the beta. Um, I was really, I was also just like in, in go mode. Right. So by the time we hit the top of like the 10th or 12th pitch, like Dolt Tower, that's like the, the one third mark, quote unquote, usually. Um, I, I got the, I got us there on the lead in four hours, which puts us on track. That's looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah we're on track for a 12 hour ascent. Like, we're like, okay, sick. That's not bad if you're like trying to go on site the nose in a day on your first trip to the valley. I was like, sick. Um, you know, next few pitches go okay. Then we get slowed down a bit trying to pass this other party. Um, and then, you know, so ultimately by the time we get to camp four, which is like the, the halfway point, we're at like 10 hours. Um, so we'll, we're like, okay, we'll so do that 12 hour mark is starting to look a little, yeah, little that, more that, out of, yeah, that 12, yeah. right. No, we've clearly slowed down along the way in here. Cause like we just shenanigans and whatever else. And, um, so, okay. So we're, you know, we're at 10 hours, but that means like, so we're, we're, we only, we did this thing in two blocks. I led the first 2000 feet of the route, 
like to the halfway like it's camp four is two thousand feet of a three thousand foot climb but it's like halfway as far as time goes and so i lead the first half sam leads the second half so like in my half i did in 10 hours not 12 so i bought sam two extra hours for his last part so of the are week. you throwing sam under the bus right now you you gave him two extra hours. Oh, no, 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 dude. Like, cause in a second, I'll tell you what Sam did, which is like insane. <laughs> no. So, so then, so, you know, like as I'm we teasing go, Sam, no, yeah. no, Sam is, Sam is, Sam is amazing. Um, so the second half of the route, like honestly to me is the hard part in that you've already been going for 10 hours and now you're like, Oh cool. Now I got to like lead a thousand feet as fast as I can. Here we go. Right. So you save your best for the last, like your, yeah, your, so like your ringer. Is kinda, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so we're trying to like get the ringer in for Sam or whatever. And, uh, basically the whole, like every pitch on the upper part of the mountain is just wet and to some extent. And so there's, you're, you're always going to move faster if you're free climbing than if you're aid climbing. Um, and so that was, that was definitely a goal with like, okay, Sam's like, I'm going to try and free climb as much as I can up there. Like all the five ten for sure. Maybe, maybe some of the five eleven parts, whatever. And, and at that point he's like, dude, we've been at it for 12 hours. I'm on this pitch. It's sopping wet. Like I can aid climb it. Like I just want to like, I don't want to take a whipper, you know, 2,100 feet up El Cap. And then we have to bail and go down somehow. And we're that close to the top. And it's like, like, yeah, dude, I fully, fully respect that. Like, but just, just keep putting the rope up, you know? And so mm-hmm. he would just, and he's a fast aid climber. He's good at aid climbing. He just steadily just, just plug in, plug in gear, standing mm-hmm. up, plug gear, stand up, just moving the rope up the mountain. Um, and then at some point, you know, it gets dark, right? Um, and so now it's things are harder actually, because we're, uh, uh, we're, we have a really, we have a pretty slim rack. Like we've got a double set of cams, um, which is fine for the free climbing, but for the aid climbing, that's kind of anemic. Cause if you think about trying to make progress in a crack that say like it's a hand crack, so it's just yellow camelots the whole way. Right. Well, you put one yellow camelot in and you're sitting on that and you put your next yellow camelot in and you can stand up onto that one and take the other one out. Right. And you can keep leapfrogging them, but at some point you got to leave one of them behind so that you don't take a hundred foot fall. And then you only have one yellow camelot left. So how the hell are you going to make it up this crack? That's that size, right? Like, so what do you do? Well, what you do is like you, when that yellow camelot crack, like widens just a little bit, that it'll take the blue one. You put yeah, the blue one in okay. and it went narrow yeah. just a little, but, but the, th- and it's not like always like that continuous, right? But it might be like that for 50 feet. And then uh, above that, it's like a finger crack for 50 feet or something. Right. So when you can see that up above you, right, you're like, okay, cool. Like I should save the big gear for the top or the small gear for the top. And then you leave whatever you Mm -hmm. can behind. Right. Mm -hmm. So that you have some kind of protection in case you fall. Um, but when it's dark and you can only see like the six feet in front of you with your headlamp and you know, Sam had done the nose before, but he hadn't done like five of the pitches at the top. So he's on sighting like half of his climbing anyway. So when he's up there trying to do this, he's like, well, I don't know which pieces to leave or not leave because I can't see what's up there because it's dark now. And so he's like, well, I guess I'll just continue to like, you know, place cams into the sludgy wetness and just guess at what to leave behind. And how scary is that placing cams when it's that wet? Oh, uh, it's fine. I, is it? Does it matter? I mean, it, I mean, it's like as long as there's not like a bunch of other stuff in the crack, if it's just yeah. water on rock, it's okay. usually, it doesn't usually compromise the placement. Um, I also spend a lot of time climbing mixed in the winter, which means you're placing cams in like icy cracks and junk. So yeah. when it's water instead of snow, I kind of like, I'm like, I feel better actually. Sure, sure. <laughs> I take yeah. the water. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but yeah, so like wet rock is fine as long as it's not like moss and junk, like up yeah. behind it, you know? So, um, anyway, so, so that necessarily like just meant that we were going slower and slower. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then once you crack the 20 hour mark, you sort of transition from type one to type two fun. Um, yeah. and then you go slower still, you know? 
you know, cause like we are like, look, if we can do it in 16 or 18 hours, like it'll probably be in, in actually enjoyable the whole way. We'll be like, yeah, we're cruising. This is fun. Mm-hmm. Once you kind of get past 18, 20 hours, like it's just grinding. Sure. You're just like, yep, yeah, we're just getting the rope up We there. just need to get through this. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I, I just remember like being at the top of the mountain, like jugging out the last pitch. And I mean, the last pitch, the prow at the top of the head wall overhangs enough that like if you dropped a carabiner from like coming over the lip, you know, it would it would land in the trees at the base like it wouldn't even hit, oh, the, hit the rock it's, wow. it's super cool exposure right yeah and, wow. but i'm in i'm but it's like <laughs> yeah but it's like but it's like and so i remember being in that moment thinking like i should be really psyched about this this is a rad position i'm like but it's like three in the morning it's totally dark i can't oh, see the valley floor yeah. anyway and i'm tired as hell so i'm just going to keep jugging up this rope in the middle of the, you know just hanging in space just like i'm just keep climbing the rope just keep climbing the rope man just you know don't get pumped don't stop moving make up our progress Do you have a celebratory beer of any kind did you sell it like go grab some pizza what'd you guys do oh well, we took a nap <laughs> So we, we we topped out and we slept for like an hour because that seemed oh, like on a, top. Yeah, yeah, that seemed yeah. like a smart idea. Yeah. And then I brought some Snickers, so yeah. we ate those. All right. Um, and, then, and then and then on the way down on the descent, you know, it's like a bunch of third, fourth class scrambling and some repels and whatever. And uh, we 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 bo- we remembered that Sam had brought uh, Sour Patch like kids or something for the descent. So we we're like, oh shit, we forgot about those. We just munched candy the whole way down. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then we uh we walked back to his van, and. When we got there, uh, we both, we started pounding water and then I, I'm trying to remember what, like he had like an entire bag of tortilla chips, just sort of like, just kind of was like, I'm going to eat some of these. And then they were gone. Um, <laughs> I had like, I'm trying to remember what I had. I like had another candy bar and there was like, uh, we had like some beef jerky that I could, that was just sitting on the counter of the van. And then it was like literally any food I could see. It was just like, yes. yeah. I'm just going to eat all of it. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Anything that's left. And it probably food. all tasted good. Too. No, it was great. It was amazing. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, then we, uh, yeah, then we chilled for like maybe 30 minutes. Like, okay, cool. Um, now it's time to head into the, like into, uh, you know, the village and we grabbed a shower and then ate pizza. Yeah. Nice. That's pretty great. Can you oh, hang out for a sec? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Cause we're going to, burn through the rest of this or because i could talk to you all day no yeah, already no. like um I'm, I, yeah sorry i fully no you, no that's Derek's show this week i think <laughs> yeah you good with that Todd? <laughs> it's too late now i know it's I too mean, late yeah all right um yeah that's go go look it up on your on derrick's instagram too but derrick de m derrick m de bruin to see see the whole trip because it's pretty cool yeah um and excited to uh Excited to see what you do with the rest of your year. Good luck on the sport climbing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was more my jam. That's where I really liked. I really liked that challenge. Oh, sure. It's because uh, I'm. I like sprints, the short stuff. This long distance, you're killing me with this. Come on. <laughs> no, like yeah. it's. Uh, well, it's also good too. Like I picked it as well because it's. I mean, it's a relative weakness, you know. Like I mean, mm. I'm. I'm, I'm a decently strong climber, but I know I'm not like a strong climber. Yeah. Like I'm not, and so I was like, well, great, like. I'm going to learn Let's go get stronger. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to learn a lot by going sport climbing again. Nice. You know, like it's just not something I do as much or haven't lately, you know? So trip report, trip report, we burned up. So we've got uh Bryden who is our content manager, yeah, yeah. director. He's, he's walked a thousand miles, uh, literally from Canada to old faithful. It's like 998. And by the time, I mean, he's walked a thousand by now cause he's past old faithful. And so he needed a resupply. So we buzzed up there and we gave him a resupply and I'd never been to Yellowstone in the maybe I had actually but I didn't remember it was a long time ago in the middle of summer like I saw him in July but so this was August and I was like I was curious like how what's it like how are the crowds what's you know what's going on here it was a Monday Tuesday in the park and uh, 
Uh, if you want to go hike Grand Prismatic Spring, don't. Um, that's like the Insta Instagram famous mm. hot pot now. And, Copy that. And uh, that is, you better go at six in the morning or eight at night, or else you're not even getting in the parking lot Honestly, or, or the, a mile in either direction. The temperatures are probably better that way anyway. <laughs> Uh, the temps, man, I had a jacket on, like a wind jacket on, on Monday. Nice. And then on Tuesday, it was hot enough. It was just t-shirt weather. But yeah, it was, it was fantastic. No animals. I mean, normally we went up in the spring before June and there's <clears throat> bison and elk and bear everywhere. Um, and we saw maybe a handful of bison and a handful of, of elk and in, in the normal spots where they typically hang out. And that was it. And nothing, nothing else. We saw saw a fox at night on the way to Island Park, but uh, anyway, that's if you head up to Yellowstone. There, but there was camping available. It's like, cool. like you, yeah, like late season. I know people are school starts here in the next week or two. But if you want to make a late season push, or you don't have kids, just wait, a, wait a week or two, and then cruise I'm so up glad there. You addressed yeah. an audience member that may not have a kid. <laughs> That's good. Thank you for doing that. You're that's welcome. Great. You're yeah. welcome. Todd, there's, you, there's a few out you there. You got to wait like two weeks and then head up. In two weeks, I'll yeah, know. You yeah, got it. yeah, and then you'll be you'll be golden. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Who are these people who don't have kids? Look at There's got to be a few of us out there. Yeah. I mean, hey, that was me like just a few years ago. This is true. On the docket, we'll burn through these really quick. Uh, Wolf Creek Drive Path is oh, how's opening. Brian, by the way, today, Brian. Oh, you wanted an update on him? Yeah, well, I mean, just a mention. Just a, so we interviewed him. We interviewed Brian, uh-huh. and we're going to air that interview on the next week's Ogden Outdoor Adventure okay. Show. It's about twenty-five minutes. You're, he is so interesting to listen to. He is. It's fascinating what he's going through right now. It's it's an incredible. This is a different hike for him. Incredible trip. Yeah, and the CDT said is much harder than the PCT. It's much lonelier. There's uh, less less water. There's more hills. It's long. It's a few of his little clips do come off that he's just in a different place than he, before. He's, but he is pro man. Like he's got it down to a science. The stuff that he's using his pack weight is eight or nine pounds base and then plus food and water i mean it's he's got it on lock so it's really interesting and he goes over that in the in the interview that will air next week uh what he's carrying and what he what we had to take him because he burned through some of that like he's put some holes in some socks Mm -hmm. and some underwear and shorts and pack replacement stove replacement like there's some stuff that he wanted to swap out which being so tied into a shop he can do that which I, will, is cool. I do want to respectfully disagree with his uh he said like you i appreciate that article you all put out in the blogger was like you only need one pair of underwear and uh i i i think two pairs of underwear and two pairs of socks so that you have one to put on you know i think we all disagreed with that except for <laughs> brian <laughs> well i mean like like i mean for like if i'm only out for like three or four days like yeah one pair for each is probably fine but like when i've been out on like three week trips or whatever it's like man if like it just depends on your environment. On which I'm CD- pretty sure we brought him two extra pair, by the way. Yeah. Great. Because yeah. like on, on the CDT, probably good to go. I was like, man, I'm just thinking about back to being in the southeast where it like rained every day. Yeah. If you don't change your socks after three or four days, you're getting trench foot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, yeah. so. but it's, Yeah. He's doing great. I'm and sure that little break it. to see, I mean, a thousand miles in, it's about a third of the way in, yeah. to see friends and grab sure. a beer and just hang out and, and get a resupply, sleep, take a shower, sleep in a cabin, and then go back. It's like, all yeah. right, all right, cool, um, let's well, do this. Oh, I yeah. guess I want to be clear. I'm not like taking digs at Brighton. I was just more yeah. like. No, that was, was like, funny because we were all like, one pair, huh? I know. I was like, I was like, man, <laughs> I feel like two. Two is yeah, the right two, number. Two, two. So two. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear yeah. you brought him an additional pair of underwear. We did. We totally did. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, 
Uh, I was I was bummed you couldn't make it. So oh, me too, me too. What's his yeah. uh, What's his sort of end date? What's he shooting for? And he's still got another two or three months, so it's it's a it's a while. Yeah, it depends on how long Colorado beats him up. That he'll slow down because he he literally summits a fourteener. The CDT goes over. Don't remember which one. There's two famous ones that uh, I'm probably in the presidentials somewhere in there. Oh man, they're like it's like the same parking lot goes to like two or three. And it's one of those. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's he's up above Good for him. ten to 12,000 feet for a little while, and that slows, slows you down, too. So we'll have to chat with him again in about a month. Yeah, I and think a month would be good. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys made it up. Yeah, no, it was fun. Uh, <clears throat> so locally here this afternoon, actually, Weaver Pathways is dedicating a new path opening to celebration of the Wolf Creek Drive Path. Uh, from 4 to 5 p.m., it's up in the valley. So if you want to cruise up there, it's actually 3718 Wolf Creek Drive. That's the actual address. <laughs> uh, the Weber, Weber River float is in two... It's on Saturday. Uh, from Hennefort 2 to 7. Bike Homecoming, which you said the uh, Ogden Bicycle Collective does have a new manager there. Uh, that's 5 to 10 p.m. on September 6th. Look at that, September already. September 6th. Xterra is September 7th through 8th. Snow Vison, which is the new thing up at Snow Basin where we drink beer yeah, we'll have to on the weekend. Up. Crazy, I know, right? Uh, the first of the three Snow Visons is September 15th. Now, explain to me how that's different from Blues, Brews, and Barbecue. The time is later in the day. Mm, it's from okay. 2 to 7 p.m. Got it. And it is German themed. So the food Lederhosen. will be German. They're, you are encouraged to wear your lederhosen. They are going to kick off the festivities with like a, 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 a German announcement and stuff. Right, have, right. The breweries so, will be tilting the beer towards so, the German so styles. So and beers weren't German enough. We no, had to really like... Brats. In, yeah, uh, <laughs> got it. Got it. Brats and... and <laughs> Sauerkrauts and yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah, bigger styles, yeah. I'm not, probably. Bigger styles. All not, the styles. I'm not complaining about more times to go party at Snow Basin. I just, you know, I it's think like, it's it's really good branding differentiation. It's I don't know if it's an it, extended yeah. extension of the year or not. I'm not sure. Yes, it is. Whatever. Well, traditionally, didn't it sort of wrap up? It was like the last blues, brews, and barbecues. It was, but I swear it was like early October. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, no, I think this actually extends it, the season for it, them. It, I think it does. A week I think or two. It, yeah. yeah, which but makes sense. They could, and then they could call it like. October, like not Oktoberfest, uh, to call it anything. Call it Faketoberfest. Faketoberfest, November, whatever. Like, just keep going. Like, yeah, just I mean, a reason to drink beer at Snow Basin. No, I'm like, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's all we it's need. beautiful up there. There's mountain biking. There's hiking. There's yeah. a gondola ride. There's climbing. <laughs> right. Like, and then you finish all that and you come drink beer. Like, honestly, I think that's a great little it's Saturday. A, I've done right. it a few times. Oh, my gosh. All right, in the news, in the news, Bryce Canyon is the latest Dark Sky International uh, so that we keep getting these new dark skies. I guess you got to apply, but then they think it's so. Uh, Bryce Canyon is the latest. So if you're looking for a dark sky, an official dark sky, international dark sky status, you can head to Bryce Canyon. Uh, this is a crazy story. Girl was killed uh, by Rockfall and Glacier National Park. She's a 14-year-old girl from Utah. Her and her family were driving the Going to Sun Road when Rockfall <laughs> came down and hit the car and... Uh, uh, killed the girl and uh, damaged the, the the obviously the car and other family members. Um, last person to die from falling rocks on the going to the sun road was in 1996. Uh, so it does happen, and that's a little spooky. It's uh, it's kind of uh, your chances like a, a lightning or something, but still that it can happen in the wild. 
Yeah, mountains. Uh, mountains. They got rocks. That happens. Sometimes I and fall down. We got another. We got another story here in a minute too. But I, I can't pass up this update on Gwyneth. Gwyneth Gate. Here's a Gwyneth Gate update. Yeah. Uh, so the according to KSL News, ski resort loses bid to be dismissed from the Paltrow lawsuit. Uh, Utah ski resort where actress Gwyneth Paltrow backed up and ran over the skier multiple times. Uh, request Wednesday to be dismissed from a lawsuit that it argued should be settled between the actress and the alleged victim. The alleged behavior of a Deer Valley Resort ski instructor who the victim says berated him and didn't call ski patrol for help, doesn't qualify as an inherent risk of skiing. Judge Kent Holmberg said in a written decision. Dun, dun, dun. It continues. Wait. Gate. But was the guide working that day? I mean, was he working for the resort? If it was represented like on schedule, you know, like maybe maybe there should be some, I don't know. Paltrow. Help me, help <laughs> me understand this. So Gwyneth Paltrow backs up over a ski instructor with her car multiple times? Is that where the story's going? On the mountain, yeah. oddly enough. Uh, Terry Sanderson says he suffered severe emotional... Hi. So we get we get delivered food or, or uh, drinks. Suffered severe emotional distress after an instructor with Paltrow skied up to him on February 26, 2016 yelled at him as he lay face down in the snow having suffered a concussion. the guy did or Gwyneth did? Oh, so the instructor yelled at this guy who's like just got run over by Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes, yes. Yelled at him as he lay face down in the snow having suffered a concussion after Paltrow slammed into him. This is great. Sorry, this is like the (laughs) first time. This happened years ago. I know, it's like the first like I've heard of this. Doesn't this happen years ago? Oh, 2016. (laughs) Yeah. 2016. This is three years on and they're still, they got to figure out who's who's at fault here. Oh my God. This yeah, is, this, this is nuts. I know you could fu- Gwyneth Gate. You I listen to the Young Outdoor Adventures show enough, you can. Fu- we'll yeah, keep no, you updated. I, I clearly am not listening yeah. enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> the guy that got hit was he damaged in a significant way, or is he? Because he's not emotional. doing it for the money, is he? He had a concussion. It got emotional distress, and then he looked up and was like, "I think I know her. I think I know where this is going." <laughs> I think she's got a my lot head of money. hurts really bad. <laughs> Maybe, but I mean, like, dude, like concussions are like not like I mean, depending on the severity of the concussion, like TBI is a real thing, man. And oh, your sure, your yeah. professional ski patroller should be professional on the mountain. And, Crazy, right? And had he not, be, sounds like he wasn't, and so maybe that's why they're in trouble. Could be, could be. Who knows? We'll keep you updated. No, keep thank you. Yeah. I think there's always probably <laughs> a nugget of truth mixed in with trying to get a big settlement. So it's probably yeah. mixed those. Yeah, it, it, had it been uh, a rant, uh, somebody who didn't have a lot of money, like if wasn't I famous, if it was Todd to the top, keep clearly going, that's going. Just keep going. You're not getting court. anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Man, um, I don't think you're being very nice to Todd to the top here. Like, I mean, I, I'll, I'll I'll back that up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I've been wrong before, but I mean, like, I don't know. That's a, that's a nice shirt you got on, Todd. It's not the, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, it's not Gwyneth money, but it's like, it's like right there. It's just like right it's underneath, right underneath just Gwyneth money. <laughs> got it, got it. We need to talk. Uh, Twenty years ago, guess what happened? Or the, the, the tornado. Remember that? Completely changed oh, everything. That like, yeah, that's twenty years ago. That went by fast. 20 years ago, this is according to KSL, KSL meteorologist Kevin Eubank recalls turning to a rooftop camera during an afternoon broadcast. He said it was his second day on television as a fill-in weatherman before he was eventually hired full-time. He initially thought the camera showed a microburst heading toward downtown Salt Lake City, but no, it took out OR. And then the, the tents, yeah. yeah the tents, and, and uh, one person died. He was uh, a, an attendee there, so very interesting. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And those tornadoes oh, don't so screw much. around. So this guy named Jordan Vincent came up with a 
and this is something Derek will 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 spend some time on. I'm sure. Oh, man. Um, it's called A Night Under the Stars. I'll link it to you. Look at overnight stays in U.S. national parks, and he does these graphs, right? And there's these graphs to where that you can see how busy and what nights and times of years different national parks are. And there are these really cool, I don't even know what you call so these So he went to each of those of, parks every day. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure no, he went it's, to- <laughs> it's, it's data projects. I don't know sure how he's doing them. But anywhere from Glacier, Sequoia, Rocky Mountain, Colorado, um, Yosemite, Yellowstone, all the big ones. And he does like breaks it down by season, spring, summer, winter, fall, average temperature, number of nights spent per month uh, per accommodation type. Each does it in concentric rings and they represent 5,000 nights. Each ring does the average temperature below 50. So it's like this weird. But yeah, you can see like how often people are there. If you're looking to book a stay. If you like crowds and lines. Yes. You know when to hit up certain areas. Check out these, this guy's. Or or if you don't like crowds and lines, you also know when to hit up certain areas. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tomato, tomato. It's pretty, (laughs) it's pretty cool. So he said, yeah, the, the wilderness can be dangerous. A female hiker, according to Snowbrains, was killed on a Colorado trail when a tree fell on her tent. Uh, Happens. Deadfall. Uh, that UNS is bad right now. Uh, make sure you look up before you um, put, pitch your tent. Pitch your tent. Yeah, sleep. Nepal is going to in, implement some strict rules for Everest because it was a shiz show this last year. FYI. Fake news. Fake news. Also, did it's you fine. did you read uh, this guy who fended off uh, a wolf from his family and the wolf tried to drag him out of the tent in Banff National Park? Only uh, only because I follow Ogden Outdoor Adventure on Facebook, and you shared that shit like this morning or something. <laughs> yeah. Crazy story. Uh, the It was a wife and, and two kids in the tent, and this rogue wolf grabbed a hold of the guy, and, was tra- and the, the family was screaming and making so much ruckus that the neighboring camper came over and kicked the wolf as hard as he could and decided, well, that was a bad idea because then the wolf turned. But well, uh, are pretty big. I probably this one in particular it. apparently was very large, and uh, they anyway uh, they lived. Uh, well, wolf. Everybody didn't. With the wolf didn't. They tracked the wolf down and killed the wolf. <laughs> the family, all the people are okay. And I don't. That's. I mean, you hear bears doing that. I have never found in our nine years of podcasting. It's our first wolf pulling a person from a tent that I that I can remember. Well, I this recall. is the kind of story that y'all are famous for. So like. <laughs> It's any attacks. Yeah. Those are your favorite stories. Yeah, yeah, all the bear attacks. All the bear attacks. Um, I have this. Some some lady played Metallica songs to to make sure a, a cougar ran away. So the front man from Metallica contacted the lady. I'm not sure why, but uh, if you do come across a cougar in the wild, make sure you have a Metallica song handy. It seems to work just fine. That is our. So it worked for her. It worked for her. Yeah, yeah. The cougar ran away. I'm not sure what song it was more on that later um and then finally uh it's raining plastic in the rockies microscopic fibers according to the guardian are falling from the sky in the rocky mountains this is what we call not good discovery raises new questions about the amount of plastic waste permeating the air water and soil virtually everywhere on earth plastic was the furthest thing from gregory weatherby's mind when he began analyzing rainwater samples collected from the rocky mountains he says quote i guess i expected to see mostly soil and mineral particles end quote said the u.s geological survey researcher instead he found multicolored microscopic plastic fibers 
Well, I had nothing to do with it. Todd. I'm meeting, I'm meeting man. Like, Why we, is there we had nothing to do in the with rain, that. Todd? We had nothing to do with that. I like how you post, you often do this, where you post the most heinous things. <laughs> and they usually like, you know, man caused things, some of them too. And, and then the, the only comment is not good. Not, not good, good, not good. Yeah. You know, I found shorter's better. Just right to the point. Like, ouch. Or, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, well, if you really want to get, yeah, like, I think not you just good. go with bad. Right? Just like, bad. Isn't, isn't that, that's isn't that what, yeah. Not, that's <laughs> not even, good. Even bad. quicker way to say bad. not good, right? Bad. You can reduce it by a whole word. So dope and bad. Like perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll reduce that. <laughs> well, you Dead. can just, oh, you just do rad and bad. Rad and bad. And then, yeah. and then at some point you can just drop the ADs and then we'll know. Like the, oh, all your yeah. re-regular followers, like was it a B or was it an R? <laughs> or an R. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Those are our two new segments in the news coming up. Rad or bad. R or B. Metallica chases away cougar. Rad or bad? R. Rad. <laughs> That's rad all day. <laughs> oh, this is the uh, official trailer to Roadless from uh, Teton Gravity. I've ever experienced What's it called? Was absolutely the worst. Roadless. Oh, Roadless. Okay. Mm-hmm. That you said Robeless. That too. And that too. I was a mess, you know, like for for weeks. I didn't know if I could snowboard again or if I had if I could bring myself to like going back out in the mountains. Bro. Bro, that's uh, Brian Gucci, I think. Yeah. Tetons. Teton Wilderness. Uh, one of the largest tracks of prohibitive land and often considered the most remote area in the lower 48. Home to stunning mountain scenery, massive amounts of snow in the home of Yellowstone. Grizzly, the hand of man has left this treasure trove largely untouched. In the winter of 2019, this last winter, Brian Gucci teamed up with fellow snowboarders Jeremy Jones and Travis Rice to explore the untamed area on a 10-day human-powered expedition. And he should the have brought up at least some big names. Is a, yeah. <laughs> His friends. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, the trailer's out. <laughs> I mean, I hike a lot, but, you know, short things. Not all day long. Yeah, totally. Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm getting in the mood. I'm getting in the mood for the winter. Winter films. Winter films, which is great. Yeah, the <clears throat> Teton Gravity research never disappoints. That is worth watching. Worth watching. Uh, Gear 30 segment. Use promo code OOA. By the way, I apologize to anyone who tried to use OOA in July because the code was turned off for July. I turned it back on, so it's it's up there now. So I you, like that it's like a light switch. You it is. Yeah, I, it I forgot to turn the lights on on the OOA code. Uh, use OOA at checkout to save how much? 12%. 12%. 12% on your purchase. Does not apply to the gear of uh, the... Uh, the gear of the week or the deal of the week. So the deal of the week is uh, typically 15 to 20% off. This does not tack on to that, but it applies to everything else on but site. You try. It applies to the clearance. Yeah. I mean, so I try find, to use yeah, all you the can codes try, yeah, on top put, of codes. Put the code, yeah, code yeah, OOA the, on at checkout because we, we are not perfect. Yeah, we screw up. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, so if you turn it on, you might like turn it really on. Really and, like, on. Yeah, everything. it turns on everything. Oh, yeah, God, every now and then we screw up like that. Yeah. yeah in fact, we just got a... This guy gave us like a rating, like a five star rating. He's like, I ordered these Chacos and they were on this killer deal. And and uh, props to Gear Thirty because the only reason I found out they screwed up was because they sent a they they wrote a little note that said, "Here's your Chacos. These were actually a a mess. You got them at a killer deal. You know, enjoy them, whatever. Cheers." And he's like, "Yeah, they didn't reverse course and say, oh by the way, that was our mistake. They just." Uh, honored it and sent the Chacos anyway. So. That's Rookie 30. Uh, yeah, we do screw up from time to time, and when we do, we got to own it. So, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, 
I appreciate that. <laughs> How's your new chacos? <laughs> they are my chacos. I'm just saying, okay. dude. I think yeah. I think there's uh, there's something to radical ownership, man. Taking ownership for your Sweet. things. Yeah, I, you have I to. Approve. I support that. Sweet. Keep it up. Um, on the dance side, on the D-Lo, on the downside, um, Cascade Designs, which is a brand that I. When I first got into the outdoors, I fell in love. I loved Cascade Designs. They were the first brand I bought a lot of stuff from. They had 22 layoffs going on right now. They're uh, restructuring. Um, they've been they've been up and down for a while now, but uh, let's hope they pull out of this uh, downside because I really do out like of Cascade. This cascade. Out of this Cascade. They're, you know, <laughs> bring it on up. Bring it on up. Oh, that's so funny. Quote of the week. Quote of the week. Learn what you are and be such. Pindar. Learn what you are and be such. Thank you, Gear 30, for powering today's 337th episode of the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, BanyaCollective.com, where all of the show notes go. So if you want to pull up any of the news we talked about, uh, we'll link to Derek DeBruin's Instagram, all the things at TheBanyaCollective.com. Now, we didn't write down all of the nonsense that Derek no, I couldn't but, do all of it, but I can at least give you his Instagram. Like basic yeah. notes. Basic yeah, notes. Exactly. Derek M. DeBruin. Yeah, follow him because it's always... I, I thought I was trying to make positive contributions. Am I, am I nonsense? Oh, I don't I mean, even... Did I say nonsense? You, you I did, didn't you mean did. nonsense. I, I, was, like, I, I was like, man. I meant I was like, enlightenment. <laughs> That's what I meant. We almost made it through the whole show. For, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get those two words mixed up. No, no, it's, uh, they're basically the same, you know. And uh, if it's we're being just honest, how you use them? If we're being honest, it's, it's, it's all nonsense. Are <laughs> you on Twitter, Derek? I'm not on Twitter. We are. We are. If um, you would like to give Derek, well, actually, actually, that's not true. Yeah. I am. Well, I have a Twitter account, but I only use it to. Uh, I'm 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 only subscribed to the Weber County Search and Rescue's private feed for our call-outs, so I don't actually use Twitter. But they use you, Twitter for that. Uh, yeah, it's actually a really good way to just, I mean, cause you're trying to get a massive feed out to yeah. like large numbers of people all at once. But right? te- texting didn't, well, okay. Um, so there's SMS pushes too. And okay. so that like, so it, but it, it depends on who, it just depends on the audience for that particular call out. Right. Cause yeah. sometimes like, Oh, we just need the climbing team. So you might just get like the, the, the text spray, but then yeah. other times it's like, Oh yeah, we need like all the resources. Like here's the, mm. the tweet to everybody. And then you can also set up your Twitter to like just send you texts anyway, which is what I do. Cause it's more reliable that way. Um, huh. and so then like, then I just get, you know, I get the text and the tweet and so that way when it's like three in the morning, it blows up my phone like seven times instead of just once. Right, so I'll like right. actually wake yeah, up and be like, it. Oh yeah. yeah, cool. Like I'm awake now. Like, you know, I have like a, a freaking alarm klaxon as right. like my notification <laughs> right. for Twitter, you know, um, right. just it wakes me up. So, da- so do you know Chase? Is he, is Chase, Chase here in our shop? Is he is for Davis or Weber? You're a Weber. Yeah, I'm a Weaver. Okay, he's Davis. He's yeah, one yeah. Of Davis. Okay. You, you, got any, you got any leftover Bear Mountain swag right. that's now collectible? Uh, you know, I should have brought you some. Now. I've got, yeah. I've got like four or five hats. I will. I might, I might have to steal one now that it's a collectible. Yeah, I, I will happily. Both of y'all actually. I should. I didn't even think about it. That's my bad. I think now is a good time to try to promote it. See what yes. we can do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Timing is everything. Wow. Uh, so chat with us on Twitter at Ogden. And we only use it if you basically add us. Like, like you got to <laughs> you gotta DM us, basically. Uh, at Ogden Adventure, at Banyan Podcast, and tell us what you want to hear. If you, there's a guest and you want to be on the show, let us know. So what you're saying is don't actually find you on Twitter because you don't actually use it. No, I don't. I, I right, mean, okay. our podcast, if you follow us, then it auto posts to, sure, to but Twitter. But um, I don't really play out. on Twitter that right, much. That's what I'm saying. I ch- like, you know what I use our, our business account for? Our OOA business account for? To check sports and news updates mm. on the uh, what's trending yeah, on the search. Sure. But I don't like play around. Like I'm not like I never comment or 
do no. Right, you're not on the Twitter sphere. Or no, whatever. no, 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 no. Got really. it. This week's outdoor jukebox: sifting through hours of crappy music. I go through that pain so that you don't have to. I found that's just your taste of music. Let's <laughs> be honest. Yeah. I'm you know, any way you play like that, dude. Spin. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> uh, I I found this the song and uh, I really like it. And oh, by the way, it's Miley Cyrus's sister. Uh, Noah Cyrus. It's called I'm Stuck. What? Yeah. I didn't even know she had a sister. Yeah, I think she has two sisters. This What's one's her name? No- Noah. Is her sister's name? Noah. Yeah, it's a sister's name. Miley Cyrus's younger sister is Noah Cyrus. This song's called I'm Stuck. It's fun. It's good. Yeah. I should know she had a sister named Noah. <laughs> This is a big day for the me. The mountains are calling and we must go. Let's go. 